Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes. And I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. This is the Engaging Missions Show, episode 272. This week we're talking with Carol Van Dyken about what God can do with the radio. You know, we heard from a guy who said, I've been listening to your program for seven years every night in my living room. Tonight, I accepted the Lord. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Thanks so much for stopping by and welcome to the show. We want to see the body of Christ fully engaged in God's mission on the earth. This show is made possible in part by support from listeners like you. Visit engagingmissions.com patron to learn more about how you can be involved. Before we get into our featured content, I'd like to take just a quick moment to welcome Eric, Kevin, and Ian, who all recently liked the Engaging Missions Facebook page. Welcome to you. If you're listening, it's great to have you. If you're listening and you haven't connected on Facebook, facebook.com slash engagingmissions is the place to do that. I don't have a sponsor to tell you about this week, but I did want to mention a community that I'm part of that might be interesting to you if you're a podcaster. It's the Christian Podcasters Association. You can find it on Facebook. There is a link in the episode notes. It's led by a guy that I've never actually met in person, but we've connected online. His name is Eric Nevins, and it's a great place to connect with other like-minded podcasters who have shows, whether they're faith-based shows or not. They're Christians who have podcasts. So if you're a podcaster, or you know one that might benefit from this, I'd appreciate that you either go and check it out or share that with them. And also, speaking of podcasters, if you'd like help starting or editing a podcast, I'd love to help you with that. Just shoot me an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com. All right. Today we have with us Carol Van Dyken. She's a long-term missionary with TWR, or Transworld Radio, living in Cyprus. Now, you might not have heard about TWR, but what they do is pretty astonishing, and she gets the privilege of working in their recruiting department. So, Carol, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Oh, this is totally my privilege. I just can't believe that we get the opportunity to do this. As we get started, I'm just wondering, you've been a missionary for a while now. Where all have you lived? Well, my husband, Daryl, and I joined TWR in 1988. We were officially accepted. And in 1989, we flew with our two-year-old son to a little tiny island in the Caribbean called Bonaire. And if you haven't heard of it, that's okay. Most people haven't. But most Americans have heard of the island of Aruba. And Bonaire is right next to Aruba, part of the ABC Islands. There, TWR has a 500,000-watt transmitter that broadcasts to North, South, and Central America. So we went there because Daryl is an electrical engineer. So he began to learn about this high-power equipment that was sharing the gospel. After five years and three daughters adding to our family on the island of Bonaire, 
we were assigned to the island of Sri Lanka, which is a little teardrop off the coast of India. And from there, TWR broadcasts up into India with a wonderful response for many years from that country. We were there for six years. And then um, our children were growing older and needed a different kind of schooling than we could get in Sri Lanka. And the transmitter site in Sri Lanka had been upgraded. So Daryl was asked to practice his engineering skills in South Africa. So we lived in Johannesburg for eight years. Daryl took care of the transmitter sites and technical equipment for the African region. Then our kids were starting to look us in the eye and be university age, and we felt like we needed to be close to them as they actually entered American culture, didn't re-enter because they had really never been Americans. Yeah. But we felt like we wanted to spend some time as they entered young adulthood and American culture living close to them. So the mission allowed us to relocate to the United States for about 10 years. Um, we relocated to our home area of Philadelphia and worked there. And then as of last year, all four of our children were married and we do have a few grandchildren. They're all off our insurance, as my husband likes to say. <laughs> and so we said, you know what, we'd love to go out overseas again. And so TWR had a need here in the European region uh, in the little town of Paphos mm. on the island of Cyprus. Yeah, that's interesting. And thinking about a, a missionary, one of the questions I hear from time to time is, okay, you were in the U.S. for a while. What would you do with Transworld Radio while you were located here? Well, they allowed us to work out of our home. And at that time, I became part of the fund development department, mm. which was basically nurturing and creating relationships with TWR's donors as a whole. And my husband continued with his technical work, but from a little bit different angle, he began working on TWR's digital platform. So that's when about a dozen years ago, we branched from radio out into the digital media format. And he began to lead a team that really developed that part of TWR's ministry as well. As we were talking the first time we chatted on the phone, I was really intrigued by this transition to digital, uh, particularly because the name of the ministry is Transworld Radio. I appreciate that you're doing this. What does it look like now? Is it streaming? Is it broadcasting? What, what do you do? So we have, in terms of radio, we have 14 transmitter locations worldwide. Using superpower radio signals, we broadcast in over 230 languages. And our goal is to really come alongside the local church. So we don't just put the gospel message out there and hope that somebody listens and gets connected and follows Christ, but we try to direct them to a local body of believers so they can grow in their faith. And so to that end, we have partners in 190 countries, and these partner offices will take programming that's developed in the United States majority is from the United States. Broadcasters like Ravi Zacharias, Focus mm. on the Family, Charles Stanley, Through the Bible, they will come to us and say, we'd love our programs to get to, for instance, the Yao people in Malawi. And so we will take their program to our local office there where a pastor or church leader will translate it. And then using our superpower transmitter in Southern Africa, we will broadcast directly 
to that people group in their language. So that's kind of the radio part. The digital platform is twr360.org, and they have about 80 languages on there at this point, I believe. And if you go to that site, you can see that there are many different languages represented, and this allows people to download Christian content anytime, anywhere, as long as they have the internet. So that's also the transformation from Transworld Radio mm. to just TWR. You mentioned that a lot of your programming currently is coming from the U.S. I'm hearing that there's a lot of transition globally toward more of a, call it majority world, providing uh, missionaries being sent places. Are you seeing any kind of similar transition in, in TWR? You mean in terms of programming? Yeah, programming or the source of the programming. Right. We would love to have more programming coming out of these local national people groups for them to speak to their own people. We yeah. would love that. As with everything, it comes down a lot of times to the funding and the resources. Mm. So because big ministries in the States can usually fund their programming and have it translated, that's the majority. But we do have subsidies and we do have projects around the world that do fund local pastors and church leaders developing and then broadcasting their own programming for their own people, which as I said, we love to see that happen. Yeah. So for those local ministries, what's required? What is, what is needed for them to be able to provide programming to you and to work with you? Well, we go into those countries. We develop relationships with a local church. We ensure that they are biblically sound. We walk alongside them as partners. And we have regional offices. Say, our regional office for Africa is in Johannesburg. So we would have direct relationships with the directors in these country offices in Africa. And we also, as the translating is being done, we will use back translation to double check oh, what's yeah. being translated and make sure the accuracy and the biblical soundness of it. I appreciate that. I, I was trying to think how that would work in my mind. And it's a complex problem, right? It's a, it's a real challenge because you, you don't want to provide additional friction to make it hard, but you also want to protect people. So I appreciate that you guys are, are walking that out. As you think about your life, when you were a kid, did you always want to be a missionary? Was, was that always on your mind? I'd say it was a developing process for me. My father is an evangelist at heart. Mm. And when I was about nine, he really personalized the gospel for me. And I remember accepting Jesus into my heart at that young age. And then I would really say it was, you know, walking alongside him, seeing his example, that really gave me an awareness of the need to mm. be sharing the gospel. When I was 16, I went on my first short-term missions trip, which was probably in you know, it was in the late 70s, so short-term missions wasn't being done too much, yeah. but we did do that. And then the next year, my parents spent a year in Kenya as missionaries to Ugandan refugees, and my younger brother and I went along. We, we were in boarding school, but we experienced missionary life. We were with missionary kids. We met missionaries. So that was an eye-opening year for me to see people fully dedicated to missions. 
After that, I entered Bible college and didn't really know what college university degree I wanted to get. So after two years, decided to take a year off and do a short-term mission overseas. Ended up in Japan, Hmm. teaching English as a second language with a missionary couple who were lifetime missionaries there. And it was during that time where I was really wrestling with just knowing, do I want to commit my life to missions. Mm. And I was at a Bible study one night hosted by this missionary. So the Bible study was in Japanese. My Japanese was not that good yet. (laughs) So when he said whatever Bible passage they were studying that night, I didn't get it right. But I turned to the parable of the talents. Mm. I thought that's what they were talking about. So I was just quietly reading through that while the Bible study was going on in Japanese, of which I couldn't understand much. And the Lord just really impressed upon me that it seemed like I had the ability to be comfortable living in a different culture. I had the ability to be comfortable living far from what was familiar to me, from my family, from my friends. I had an excitement about other cultures. And I had an excitement about being able to bring the gospel to them. And it really felt to me like the Holy Spirit was impressing on me that I would really be burying my talents that God had given me if I didn't spend my life in a different culture sharing the gospel. So that was really the turning point for me. Wow, that that's interesting. I've heard people kind of uh, sometimes explain that kind of the opposite, feeling like they're talking to God about they might be burying their talents if they go and minister cross-culturally. And the conversation for you was the exact opposite, which I, I really love hearing. As you think about your your history in missions, you and your family have transitioned a number of times. I lost count as you were telling me about that. Were, <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> were there any of those transitions that were particularly memorable to you? Well, I think the one coming back to the States after 20 years overseas, Yeah, it was not my first choice, really, to leave overseas life and return to the United States We were doing it for the benefit of our family, and I think God really blessed that decision and has now allowed us once again to enjoy living overseas. But um, I would say that was a pivotal decision for us. Our son had two years before we returned to the United States, two or three years, had gone back to the U.S. He was 18, and we had enrolled him in a Christian college. So we thought it was a fairly sheltered atmosphere for him to readjust or adjust to life in the States. And he did not do well. Hmm. He, um, we call it crashed and burned. He failed his first year of university, even though he had a full scholarship there. So then we said, well, now you've used up one year, you better go get a job. Hmm because there's nothing for you back here in South Africa. And he continued really to spiral downhill and got into drugs and drinking. It was not a good picture. So after about a year of that, we realized we just need to do something for him. So we asked the mission, we said to the mission, look, either we need to go back to the States and walk alongside him, or he needs to come back to South Africa and join us again and 
we'll figure out something for him to do here. And the mission wonderfully came alongside of us and we were able to bring him back to South Africa. And after about a year, when our oldest daughter was then ready for university, we said, you know, we're going to make the choice for our for our daughters then and, and to bring our son back, to go back to the States. So it really was a choice of putting our family before the ministry at that point. Thankfully, God allowed us to continue in the ministry, but we did not know that when mm. we made that fundamental decision to move back to the States for the sake of our family needs. And I'd like to talk to, about that for a, a little bit, because I've I've heard this kind of challenge face people before, where they, they feel like there's a decision that they have to make between their family and the ministry that they feel called to. How did you guys approach making that decision? I would say very much a strong impression from the Lord that we needed to pay attention closely to our children's needs. Maybe if our son had sailed off to the States and done great, we would have started sending our daughters over the same way. And who knows, I actually think they would have done worse. But... It was just a strong impression from the Lord, and I think it was a gift from Him that we had faith enough to say, well, we'll figure out something in terms of work. If it doesn't work with the mission anymore, it must be God's timing then to have us change career. And if that's what's needed, we'll do it. So it really was a step of faith. But we saw God really part the waters because actually initially when we decided to go back to the States, we asked the mission to let us settle in Philadelphia, even the home office was in North Carolina. And at that point, they said, actually, we can only use you if you relocate to North Carolina. Well, we didn't know anybody in North Carolina. We had no family, no home churches. And we just felt like that will be like a whole new foreign country not only for our kids, but for us. Mm. And so we said, well, respectfully, we feel our family needs to settle in Philadelphia. And if that won't work, we need to find another ministry. We we don't want to do that. We love TWR. And then by the grace of God, the leadership really came alongside us and helped us to figure out how we could continue working remotely from our home in Philadelphia. We're very grateful for that, but grateful to the Lord. And as I said, I think the Lord really blessed that decision to sink our resources into our family at that point in time. Yeah, and and I think having the hindsight of history, it sounds like that was the right decision. I would imagine it was difficult to make it at the time, but at the same time, you guys have done it. God's been faithful, and that's, that's really pretty impressive. As I think about... TWR, you work in the recruiting department. What what does that mean? What do you do? So I try not to buttonhole people. <laughs> okay. But I do try to chase down people who have an interest in missions. We do that through using a number of online websites. There's a great one called Mission Next. And I'd say it's our best resource for connecting with people who have an interest in missions. Pretty much people who are interested in missions come on Mission Next and they fill in a profile. And then organizations like ours 
put our open jobs in and the kind of skills we need, it's kind of a matching database at that point. And the computer does searches and brings up possible candidates that might be a match for our needs. So I email them, call them, we chat, let them know about TWR, see, just we call it pushing on doors, seeing if TWR might be a place where God might have a fit in missions for them. I also walk alongside people in the application process as they come to us on our website, twr.org. They can go to our serve page, see what openings are there, and then they fill in a preliminary application. And then we get that, and I'm one of the ones that begins to look at that, look at their paperwork, see what skills they have, where they're at in looking at missions, whether they're looking at short-term, volunteer, career missionary service, internships. Again, just that whole evaluation of whether they're ready for missions and whether TWR is a good place for them to serve. When you're talking with people, are there any things in particular you're looking for that help you understand if they are or aren't ready? Well, first of all, bottom line is, you know, strong evangelical Christian, strong walk with the Lord, and a passion for missions. We really want to see that they have a strong call, a good pull from the Lord to go out and be involved, to give up what needs to be given up in terms of moving out of their comfort zone. That kind of thing is going to be the foundation for them as they move through raising support and as they move out onto the mission field. After that, then we look for things like, okay, what is your experience? What are your skills? You know, we we love having people come through our doors and we want to get a we want to have them on staff, but we can't use really a ballerina for Jesus or a nurse <laughs> or, you know, there's certain things that our mission just doesn't do and there may be a great fit for them in, in some other missions. So we want the right fit for them and their family. We also want the right fit for someone who's going to be joining our teams on the field. So both of those we take into consideration in terms of their skill sets, what they've been doing all their life, or what their education is in, that kind of thing. I really appreciate you sharing that because it's, it's interesting to hear the thought process and to understand what goes into making these decisions. I, I think sometimes people may think that a, a missions organization makes a really quick decision and says, well, we've got a warm body and they're interested, so let's get them involved. And I, I appreciate that you don't. As you think about your ministry, though, has Transworld Radio also seen any shifts or any any new breakthroughs over the last year that you could share with us? Well, I think the ability to get into places using digital media and also social media. Mm. So we're doing a lot through, say, Facebook Live events with videos now. Mm. And in a number of very closed countries, we're getting thousands of viewers live online when we advertise these events on social media. It's very exciting. So that is something that is just really encouraging to us. As you think about some of those, I wonder, do you ever get any feedback or do you get to see the fruit of what you're doing? Absolutely. Well, there again, that's where our partner offices come into play, because by having them in country, we are able to 
in our broadcasts let listeners know where they can respond. And it used to be that they could just write a letter. Hmm. But as you can imagine, in this day and age, we have the benefit of they can phone in from their mobile phone, they can text in, they can send a Facebook message. In some cases, we've had listeners show up at some of our partner offices, and maybe they bring a gift for the office staff, like in Africa, it might be two live chickens. (laughs) So we have wonderful feedback. Um, In different areas, it's going to be different because of the security situation. As you can imagine, in some areas of the world, people put themselves at great risk Mm. by responding to our broadcast. So it's understandable that we get less feedback in some areas. But let me just share a couple of wonderful things over the years that we've heard. And more recently, again, you talked about recent developments. So because of our app, our TWR 360 app, we're hearing from especially Muslim women that they are able to download the app on their mobile phone and using earbuds all under the cover of their burqa, listen to our broadcasts. So I always say it's like the best use of a burqa I've ever heard of, right? Because <laughs> here they are in complete security all under this covering, but they're still able to listen to life-changing words. We receive feedback from Muslim clerics in mosques who say, I live in a little room at the top of the mosque, and I go down and conduct the services, but afterwards I come up to my little room and I listen to your programs about Jesus. So I think, you know, those are places that the traditional missionary can't get into. And we're not here to replace the traditional missionary. There is a great need and wonderful work done by people on the ground. But technology, you know, we heard from a guy who said, I've been listening to your program for seven years every night in my living room. Tonight, I accepted the Lord. Wow. So what missionary could or would sit in somebody's living room every night for seven years? Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of thing that keeps us excited about what God's doing using the broadcasts and just getting the signal exactly where he wants them to go. We had a great response from Europe a year or two ago. A young man wrote in and he said, I listen to my radio every day. I keep it tuned to one channel. That's the sports channel. That's the one I listen to. He said, the other day, the electricity went off in my flat And I couldn't listen for a while. When the electricity came back on, the channel on my radio was Transworld Radio. Hmm. And I was introduced to Jesus through that. So what's the Holy Spirit? What's a, quote, fluke? We we don't know. (laughs) But we're happy to be on the end where we say, you know what? God says his word doesn't go out void, and we believe it. And so we're going to keep putting it out there. Man, that that's great. And for for those listening, I think I just heard a challenge to prayer because if we're hearing about clerics and women who are able to listen in very difficult places, this is an opportunity that God can use to begin that introduction in the same way that we sometimes hear things about visions of a man in white, right? These can mm. then begin that conversation so there's a prepared heart ready to receive Christ and to to walk with him. And I think that's really powerful. Carol, as you look forward with Transworld Radio, if you were able to see in the future, are there any exciting changes or challenges that you maybe see coming over the next few years? 
Well, I think for the ministry, it's always a bit of a changing landscape because technology changes. So now we're seeing, whereas there was a kind of a slow shift, maybe in the last dozen, 15 years worldwide to not listening to radio anymore, like we began to realize that in places like Singapore and Hong Kong, people aren't listening to radio, they're on their mobile devices, that's how they're communicating, and it brought us into kind of the digital platform world. We need to continue to really be looking at those kinds of trends, that means doing our research, that means listening to people who are smart about these things and are watching and noticing what people are doing in terms of technology around the world and then grabbing that and being willing to move forward. And if it means changing some of our ministry paradigms to accommodate that, we need to be able to go with the flow on that. Yeah, I I love hearing what God's doing and how you guys are preparing to to make those kinds of changes. You've been a missionary for a while now. I'm not quite sure how long, but it's more than a couple of weeks. Do you have any advice for aspiring missionaries, people that are just getting started? Well, I would say really make sure you gather a group around you who's praying with and for you. That's pretty much the first thing I tell people after we've chatted on the phone and I feel like Yes, God may be calling them into missionary service. I say, you know, chat to your pastor, your missions pastor, your small group leader, your Sunday school class, your small group, your family, your friends, people you know, even if it's just several who will pray with you, pray for you, and will really support you as you investigate whether God has missions planned for you directly in your future, whether he wants you to go, whether he wants you to give, whether he wants you to pray. You know, the body of Christ is so wonderful that we each have our part. Mm -hmm. And so we have been told so many times by people, I can't go, but I can make it possible for you to go. That support team has been so, such a blessing to us over the years. When we first started thinking about going into missions because Daryl has an electrical engineering degree. Our plan was to go out as tent makers like Mm. Paul, earn our own salary, go with a shell oil to a closed country, support the local church and get a salary. Then we wouldn't quote bother the body of Christ Mm -hmm. for funding. But when we heard about TWR, we were just so taken by the possibilities for using our gifts with this ministry, we just said, you know what? It doesn't really matter where the resources come from. This seems like something we could really be used by the Lord in. And honestly, through the years, that team of maybe a dozen churches and 40 or so individuals, actually for 30 years this month, we have had people, some giving as little as $5 a month every month, some giving much more, each as they can, and many sacrificially. We're sometimes embarrassed when we go back on furlough and we meet up with some of our supporters and we think, we're pretty sure they live more simply than we do. Mm. And yet they're giving so that we can be out here. And so that group of people has prayed for our family through the years and has really made it so that those days when we feel like, don't wave a ticket, 
back <laughs> to the states in front of my nose today because I'm I might just take it that we remember through that time of support raising how many times we said God are you really calling us to do this cuz it ain't real easy right now and over and over we were affirmed yes this is Yes, God is doing this. He's calling us. And that just stands you in such good stead as a foundation through the years. And we have no idea what the prayers of that group of believers has gifted us with through the Holy Spirit through the years. We've stood in people's kitchens and they say, you're prayed for every day in this kitchen. Mm. And that is so humbling because I think, who or what do I pray for every day? And yet, people are doing that and have been for our family for all these years. It's a very great privilege. Yeah. How, how do you keep those relationships strong? You're outside of the States for long periods of time. How do you keep those relationships strong when you don't see them? Well, there again, in this day and age, technology is a great help. I could say back in the day, back in the day, when we first went out, it was purely letters. And we do send out a quarterly prayer letter that goes by post and by email now. But in between that, we try to, now we have the capacity to call. We use usually Skype. And of course, we use Facebook. We use WhatsApp. We have a, our own Facebook closed group page that we've invited supporters to. And so they can keep up and we post more personal or um, very timely prayer requests and updates on that. And then when we do go back to the States, we make it a point to visit our supporters and our churches, to bring them small gifts from our field of service, and to really just say thank you very clearly to them for what they, they give in prayer and financially. Is there anything that you were hoping we'd talk about today that we, we haven't gotten to? I guess I would say to folks, there is such a wide arena in this day for you to use whatever skills and education you have in direct furtherance of the kingdom. The internet, you can go on the internet and find what those possibilities are. And I would really encourage people who just feel a tugging by the Holy Spirit in their heart to say, you know, I really always thought maybe I could be a missionary or, boy, I'm at a point right now in my life where I really would love to be directly involved. I'd love to work with a team of people whose goal is to get the gospel out every day. And if you have skills in, okay, my husband's an engineer, I'm a recruiter, HR, admin person, but we need, and lots of missions, need graphic designers, need accountants, need management people, need administrative people, you know, need people with business heads who can help us as we use the Lord's resources wisely. Don't underestimate whether or not your gifts and skills could be used in missions and whether your family could go, okay, you have a couple kids you know, what an adventure for your family. What a wonderful experience could you give your kids to a global world and a firsthand look at the kingdom of God going out every day. 
Yeah, that that's great. As as we begin to bring this to a close, how can we best pray for you? They say that the main reason people leave the mission field is interpersonal conflict with coworkers. Mm-hmm. Which is a really sad thing in the body of Christ especially. But I should say, but working with me, <laughs> so I'm not <laughs> directing at someone else, working with me is not always heavenly. <laughs> mm. And maybe most days is not heavenly. Maybe sometimes it's more the other place. I don't know. But we all have our ways of doing things, our opinions, our characteristics, and yet we are in teams put together, I think, directly by the Lord in a group on the mission field. And so if people could pray for unity and interpersonal relationships among team members, Mm. that we would really have a lot of grace for each other, a lot of compassion for what each other may be experiencing or going through, and openness to the other's ideas and ways of doing things. So that would be one thing. I would say pray for our spiritual lives here on the field. We do have, missionaries do have the support of local churches where they're based, but they're not always a church background that they're familiar with or comfortable with, or they don't get a lot of spiritual food, or maybe they don't have a church community around them. Maybe they're living very in very rural conditions. So pray for spiritual growth and that the Lord would keep us walking closely with him because part of our mission statement is that we model our message. And if we aren't at heart walking closely with the Lord, we better not be thinking we can put the message out there of God's goodness and grace because we're pretty hypocritical. Mm. So pray we wouldn't be hypocritical to ourselves, to our family members, to our team members, to our supporters, to our audience. Yeah. For those listening, I would like to encourage you to go ahead and take a minute to pray for Carol and and pray as she suggested. In in particular, I think the the relationships are a big deal because I hear that time and time again, that that's a big deal in ways that we might not think of because in our case, most of us are in a culture that we're comfortable with. We understand how people think and so we're not unintentionally offending people, but it can be really difficult to work with people from other cultures. So I would encourage you to pray that way. And then also links to the resources that we talked about will be in the sh- in the episode notes so you can check those out if you want to connect with Carol or check out Transworld Radio or any of the other things that we talked about in the show notes is where you'll find those Carol I'd like to say huge thank you to you this has been delightful and insightful and I really appreciated talking with you again so thanks so much Well thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to just showcase what God's doing through TWR and Really appreciate what you're doing, Brian, and just showcasing his work in missions overall. It's a wonderful work that you have put your hand to. I don't know about you, but I was really struck when Carol was sharing the the transition that she and her family made because of the need to support their family and the way that the ministry worked with them outside of their normal process. So I really appreciated that. I'd like to say a huge thank you to Carol for being with us and also to you for joining us. 
If you'd like to check out any of the links or anything like that, you'll find the episode notes at engagingmissions.com slash Carol Dyken. That's where you're going to find links and quotes, a way for you to connect with Carol. All of that stuff will be right there. Or if you're listening in your favorite podcast app, you can check out the episode notes right there as well. Make sure that you come back next time. We're going to be talking with Ed Smither, and we're going to talk a little bit about one of the things that can really either help or hurt a a group of people when you're entering a region or talking with a group that's never really encountered the gospel before and could either improve or diminish the long-term impact of that effort. Make sure that you don't miss that by subscribing to the show. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. And also, I'd appreciate it if you could help me understand how I could improve the show to serve you better. Send an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com. One more time, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you, and I really look forward to getting that new episode out in a couple of weeks. Well, if you've stuck around this long, just again, huge thank you for being here. As I'm recording this, I've been recovering for a little over two weeks. Uh, I've had some challenges with my voice and with a cough. I don't know if you notice it during the recording, uh, especially during the intro and the outro, because I put those together later, but I've been struggling a little bit, and so I've been trying not to cough. This actually all started a little bit, a couple days before a Cub Scout camping trip with my son, got a little bit worse, actually quite a bit worse on that trip. Just It was cold. We were camping. That was kind of the, the thing that was going on right there. And I've been recovering. I feel better than I did, but my voice is still a little bit weak. So for those of you that knew about that and were praying for me, thank you very much. A little bit of an update. I'm in the middle right now. It's November and I'm in the middle of two different challenges related to my podcast and and podcasting in general. The first one is one that I picked up kind of a last minute thing. It's a daily solo podcasting challenge to help me get better as a host of a show. It's not, I'm not doing it for the Engaging Missions show because I, this is not a daily show. You can find it at 1000podcasters.com if you're interested in that. This It's a show that I do that's related to podcasting in general, not this show in particular. And I'm just learning how to tell stories better. I'm learning how to be a better host. So that's one of the challenges that I'm doing. 30 days in November out of the 31. So hoping that I can follow through on that because I've committed to do that. And the second challenge is a five-week, five-video challenge that's also in November. So there's a little bit of a confluence here. There's more than one thing going on at the same time. I didn't use that word right, but there's more than one thing going on at the same time. This video challenge is to make one video every week and post it on Friday to promote either my podcast or the business that I have editing podcasts, something like that. And I'm a week into this, one video into this. And I'll tell you right now, this is way outside of my comfort zone. It's stretching me in ways that are very uncomfortable, but I'm getting better at it. It's taking longer than I would like. I'm not particularly good or comfortable in video, but I want to step into something that I'm a little bit uncomfortable with to continue growing. And also because I just need to get a little bit more comfortable getting out there and letting people know what I can do and how I can support them. That said, 
said, I'm also in the process right now of editing nine different shows. Some of them are weekly, some of them are monthly, and that's nine shows besides my own. And I'm also happy about that, but I'm starting to get a bit squeezed for time. So I'm looking at options to make sure that I don't sacrifice my family, my health, my relationship in ways that aren't right. And I would appreciate any wisdom and prayers from you uh, as far as I, as I walk through this and try to balance time and make sure that I'm walking in a way that's consistent with the life that I want to live and the life that I want to have, and frankly, consistent with the way God has designed life to work. So I'd appreciate your prayers in that because I am kind of balancing things. It's, it's a lot going on, but I, I really want to continue doing this and to serve well. So Thanks for being here. Thanks for sticking around to the very end. I really appreciate you, and I'd love to hear from you. If you have any feedback for me, feedback at engagingmissions.com. Look forward to connecting with you in a couple of weeks.